Our scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. Will you please stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not yet with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in his name. You may be seated. Thanks, Eric. Well, good morning, and a happy Easter. He is risen. It's a wonderful morning, isn't it? It's great to see uh, all the children here. Isn't that exciting? At the 6.30 service this morning, by the way, some of us have been up very early. <laughs> we feel self-righteous about it. But uh, The 6.30 service this morning, there were a, a good number of children as well. How exciting to be uh, together. Now, there are people right at the back. Can you hear me? You can wave a hand if you can. In the narthex, you can make a shout if you can hear me. Yeah, I think so. Just, just checking. Just checking. There's a story uh, talking of children, and, and none of the children here will make this mistake, but there's a story that perhaps you've heard before, I don't know, it's a sort of joke, about children who were asked in uh, their Sunday school class or children's class uh, about the real meaning of Easter, you see. So Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, what's it really about? And they were asked, uh, what is Easter really about? Well, one bright spark of a child put up his hand straight away and said, Oh, I know. Easter, that's that holiday in November where we give thanks, isn't it? And the teacher was a little discouraged and so quickly went to someone else. Someone else put their hand up and said, No, no, no. Easter is that holiday in December when we have a big tree. And there are presents all around it. At this point, the teacher began to pull great clumps out of 
of hair out of his head. I've taught a lot, by the way, you can tell. Um, and so, but there was one other child who uh, uh, the teacher thought would have the right answer, and so uh, he called on that child. The child said, yes, I, I know what Easter is about, with his hand in the air. I know what Easter is about. Easter happens at the time of the Jewish Passover. Uh, it's Jesus, he, he dies, you see, and uh, then there's this uh, tomb, and the boulder is rolled back, and Jesus comes out, and if you can see his shadow... Six more weeks of winter. <laughs> what is Easter really about? I mean, obviously we say he is risen. He is risen indeed. So it must be about Jesus coming back to life. But what I want to say to us this morning is that because of that, because it is about Jesus coming back to life, it's a message about how you can come back to life. Now, you may think, I, I don't need to come back to life. I'm alive. I'm here. I, at least I was alive before I came to church, you know. Um, but uh, as we're going to see as we tell the story, life in the Bible doesn't mean existence. Life means thriving, and of course it means eternal life. And it's coming back to that newness of life, that true life. That sense of joy and hope beyond merely material things, but actual life. So we're going to look at this passage that we've just had uh, read out for us. You'll find it in your Bibles or in the bulletin if you look down there. What we're going to do is very simply this morning, I'm just going to tell the story and then we're going to see whether that story is true uh, it could be a nice story, but not a true story. And I think a lot of people consider the Christian story a nice story, but not a true story. Of course, I believe it's true, and I want to try and show us how that is the case. So it's a story we're going to tell. It's a true story we're going to consider. But then also this issue of life. It's a real story. Not that just Jesus has risen, but that he is risen and that there is life in his name. So first, the story. So say, look down with me. In particular, look at Thomas in verse 28. Can you see that verse? In verse 28, Thomas uh, says to Jesus, uh, my Lord and my God. Now, those of us who grew up in Christian homes or in the church We'll be so familiar with this story that we'll forget to ask ourselves, why does Thomas say this? There are lots of other things he could have said. So I'm just trying to use Thomas and this story and this verse in particular as a way in to tell the story of Easter. Now, lots of things that Thomas could have said. Uh, he could have said, wow, you're alive. Uh, that seems to be more of a natural thing to say, wouldn't you think? Rather than, my Lord and my God. Oh, you are alive. That's not what I expected, but there you are, you're alive. But he doesn't say that. He says, my Lord and my God. Uh, some people have been so 
when you really get into what he's saying here, it's so surprising that some scholars have spent a lot of time trying to work out what he really is saying, whether he really is saying that Jesus is God here or not. Uh, Some scholars have said, no, Thomas is just exclaiming blasphemously, Uh, you know, the equivalent of my goodness, Uh, the sort of, you know, like texts speak. I don't want to actually say it this morning, of course, in that tone, but like texts speak OMG. But that cannot be the case. Now, this is a story. Consider, as we tell the story, who Thomas is. Thomas is a Jew. What did Jews believe? Jews believe that there is only one God. What do they believe about that God? They believe that he is the creator, separate from his creation. They believe that he is sovereign over all. This is uh, the God of... uh, Abraham and Isaac and Moses. Uh, No, Thomas cannot be just blaspheming. That's not the kind of thing that a scripturally minded, pious Jew like Thomas would ever do. Uh, They don't even spell out the name God, let alone use it as an exclamation point. So what is he saying? What is this little part of the story? What does it show us? about the Christian story. See, there are many different versions of the Christian story out there, and you've got to understand what I'm asking you to believe uh, before you will believe it. And it may be very different from what you think I'm asking you to believe. You may think I'm asking you to believe that, uh, that we should dominate other people. Or you may think I'm asking you to believe that uh, the environment should not be taken care of well. Or you may think I'm asking you to believe in a certain political agenda. But let's look at the story. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Can't be just OMG. He's not saying you're alive. He's making a conclusion from the fact that he sees that Jesus is alive. Why does he do that? It all comes back to this word see. So Thomas is insisting that he sees for himself and touches, puts his finger in the, in the, in the nail, marks, and all the rest. And then Jesus says, because you've seen me, you believed. And we'll think about his blessing in a moment when we come to consider whether it's true. Let's just stay in the story. The issue of seeing. I want you to understand this because it will help you understand what the story is. The beginning of John's gospel, we are told, this is John's gospel, right at the beginning, John chapter 1, we are told, no one has seen the Father So that's a very orthodox Jewish thing to say. No one has seen the Father, but God, the only begotten, has made him known. And then uh, when Jesus comes, the Word made flesh, he comes along and he begins to gather disciples. John, not this John, the author of the gospel, but John the Baptist looks at Jesus and says, see, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, no one has ever seen the Father, 
God the only has made him known. See. He begins to gather his disciples and they say to one another, come and see. And then Jesus himself says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then Thomas says, I've got to see this. What does he want to see? He wants to see the scars. In other words, he wants to know this is not just a ghost. This is not a different person to the one who was crucified. This is the same person. And then he sees. And then he does simply the most surprising thing that an Orthodox Jew could ever do. There is a human in front of him. Christians believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. There is a person standing in front of him, and he worships. Curious Lord was used in the Old Testament translation for Yahweh. God. God. He worships. Thomas has something of a bad rap. He's sometimes called the doubting Thomas. But I have a lot of sympathy with Thomas, actually. He asks the difficult questions. He's Thomas, called the twin. And actually, Thomas is Hebrew for twin as well. He's the twin. He's the guy who likes things twice over. He uh, insisted that he saw Jesus. And so that is the story. The story is that Jesus, at the resurrection, is shown to be, for those who see, God. Not a little God, not one among a number of gods, but the God of Abraham and Isaac and Moses. If you want to know what God's like, this is saying, you look at Jesus. That's the point about the Christ, that you believe that Jesus is the Christ. Christ is Greek for the, uh, the Messiah, the anointed one, it is saying that he is the king. Not just another human king, but the king which all the human kings were about. He is the king, the son of God. Not that Mary, as it were, somehow had some strange relationship with God and therefore produced a sort of human, divine, pagan child. No, eternally begotten. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God. Jesus, the full manifestation, the full showing of God. That's the story. Not about politics, not about domination, but about worshipping Jesus. And we come to Easter Sunday, what we're being asked to do is to bow and worship Jesus. What I'm going to ask you to do at the end of this uh, sermon is to worship Jesus. To say, he is the God. Now, before I ask you to do that, it's fair to find out whether that really is the case. So look down again with me uh, at your Bibles. And you will see there's a little bit more here, isn't there? So after verse 28, Jesus then told him, because you have seen, you have believed. Is, Is that why? Is the question mark? But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, if you're anything like me, you probably think, well, that's a blessing I wish I could do without. 
you're probably thinking, if I could see, like Thomas, then I believe. Why does Jesus say it is blessed? Because there is a difference between seeing and really seeing. And the the difficult reality is that there are people who have spent their lives at the time that Jesus was there, who spent their lives looking into watching Jesus go by and not getting it, not really seeing. Whereas we this morning and every time we crack open the Bible have the leisure to consider. It is a blessing because we have the witness recorded for us. Now, I did uh, research uh, over a number of years at uh, Cambridge University and Yale Universities. And while I was doing research there, I spent a long time reading a lot of old books. And one of the things that I discovered is that as I read these books, hundreds and hundreds of years old, dusty, and you know, other than getting a lot of allergies and sneezing, um, I discovered that I was as convinced that these people were alive as I'm convinced that you or I are alive. It's a little difficult to explain, but research shows that actually seeing is not always believing. You can see something on a 3D movie, but it be make-believe. What gives truth is the data. Did you know that uh, a man called... Uh, John Robinson, who was a dean at Trinity College, Cambridge University, uh, wrote a book arguing that the whole of the New Testament should be dated within the lifetime of all the eyewitnesses. Uh, Did you know that uh, there are tombs that are sealed, uh, were sealed in AD 50, that is within the lifetime of eyewitnesses, that have inside the inscription, Jesus, let him arise. Did you know that uh, Josephus, the uh, well-known Jewish historian, this is all outside of the Bible evidence, Josephus, the well-known historian who, who has a passage saying that people believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, and a lot of people said that must have been added in later by Christians because it seems so close to belief in Jesus, that there's a 10th century, a little bit later, Arabic copy, that is not copied by Christians, that says the same thing. Did you know that this gospel, John's gospel, which in years gone by, a lot of secular scholars dated very late, had to be redated earlier because of the discovery of something called the Rylands Fragment that was carbon dated at 125 AD, found in Egypt. And in order to get that far from its original um, place of writing, must have been written within the lifetime of eyewitnesses. This text that you have in front of you is the record of the data of the eyewitnesses. And you are blessed. That is, you have a lucky opportunity this morning. Because some people have taken the time to crack open the Bible and have you look at it. Did you notice that it's not actually when Thomas saw Jesus that he worshipped? Is it? 
Jesus came in. He said, as he tended to do, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, you know, put your finger here, put your hand here. And then Thomas worshipped. It was when the word came and, as it were, read Thomas's mind. Then he worshipped. It's a strange reality, and none of us can make it happen by our own human efforts, but it happens every Sunday that you come to church and the Bible is opened up and it feels like someone has been walking with you this week and hearing the things that you have said. And then the Bible's opened and it is answered. It's as if someone was listening to those words that I spoke behind locked doors to my friends or one or two of them late one evening. And then it is proclaimed from the pulpit. Why is that? Blessed are you. Jesus, when we say at Easter Sunday, Jesus is risen, note what we are saying. We are not saying he has risen. We are saying he is risen. He is alive. He is here. His word is living. Alexander Pope, uh, in, on the issue of whether pictures are better than words, uh, many pictures have been uh, done about Jesus turning water into wine. Alexander Pope summarized that miracle of turning water into wine when he said, the conscious water saw its master and blushed. I don't know what's going on in your mind. Uh, My wife tells me that when I look at people, they think I have x-ray vision. It's the pastor evangelist kind of look, you know. I actually don't. But Jesus is alive. Whether you've been arguing with your wife. Whether you put on your Easter best this morning, hoping that like the... Uh, Christian Chicago equivalent of the rain dance, putting on your nice summer weather, then there will be nice weather outside somehow. There is a word for you, which is, here's where we're going to get to. So here's the story. It is true. This is actually true. Does it make any difference? Is it worth the risk? I don't know whether you've been following the news this morning, but on uh, CNN, it's been reported that Christians in Chicago, uh, in Chicago, Christians in China, um, there are Chinese Christians in Chicago, but I'm talking, uh, probably Chicago Christians in China, but uh, Christians in China have been prevented from worshipping on Easter Sunday by the state. Is it worth the risk? 
Often it really comes down to that, doesn't it? It's a great story. It's a true story. Am I really going to believe it? Is it really worth worshipping Jesus? What will my family say? What my friends say? There they are. They're locked in the room for fear of what will happen to them if they follow Jesus. Is it worth the risk? Look down with me again at the Bible. Verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Christ, the Messiah, the King, the Son of God, not just another God, but God fully shown. He who has seen me has seen the Father, Jesus said. And that, here's how you come back to life. So we've finally got there. You know what the story is. You know it's true. And that, by believing, you may have life in his name. Here's the Christian story. We have all rebelled against God. There is a death sentence waiting. We don't live that way, but, but we're like, with all our thrills and experiences, we're like people playing video games on death row. It's a fun video game. But there's a sentence hanging over us. We try and ignore it. Uh, Tolstoy has a wonderful expression for the the way that we do this. He says that we are like people who stare into the bottom of a pond to see its, 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 its bottom, to see where it ends up, finding, trying to find the meaning of life. We're staring into this pond to see the bottom because we want to find life, yet at the same time, Tolstoy says, we are like people who constantly stir up the mud to avoid seeing it as well. Why? Because it will make a difference if you really say Jesus is God. But what are the alternatives? I used to like uh, the existentialist philosophers when I was younger. You know, people do all sorts of things when they're teenagers. I read existentialist philosophy. What can you say? Uh, But uh, Albert Camus was an existentialist philosopher And he described life like this. He said, life is like rolling a boulder up the hill. This is the myth of Sisyphus, for those of you with classical education. But he was like, life is like rolling a boulder up a hill, but it constantly rolls back down again. You roll it up, and it rolls back down. Roll it up. And then here's Camus' answer to life and hope. Ah, he said, but you can choose your boulder. I've got more on often than that. Life. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. This is life. Knowing God the Father And Jesus, whom he sent. Not material abundance, not a good little action or two, not sexual experimentation, not a nice career, 
believing in Jesus. Why? Because then the life of the universe, the creation of all, in him is life. He died. Rose again. And at that moment, all of John's meaning about life, like a lightning bolt, breaks in. That by believing you may have life in his name. No longer playing videos, games on death row. You know where you're going. You have life now, right now. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full now. That's what I want you to have. I'm obviously a pastor. Uh, My background was academic, but I'm a pastor now. And as a pastor, you have to do leadership things, which means you have the joy of sitting on committees. And uh, there was one committee I was sitting on years ago now, and in a different church uh, to this one, um, and I'd forgotten what it was about, so it can't have been that bad. Uh, but uh, it was a little frustrating, because sometimes it can be hard to get uh, committees to make decisions, you know. You know what I mean. And so someone sent me a little email uh, describing the scenario in a, in a whimsical way. It went like this. This is the issue of making decisions. It went like this. Five birds sitting on a wire. They're talking to each other. They're having a little committee meeting. And they're trying to decide whether to fly south. You see? There they are. Talking. Three decide to fly south. And so this email then said to me, so how many are left? Five birds on a wire, three decide to fly south. How many are left? No, 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 no. Five. They've decided, but they haven't done anything about it yet. (laughs) Believing in Jesus is not making a decision. It is doing what Thomas did. My Lord and my God. Everything around him, your family, your home, your money, your career, everything. Why? Because he rose again. In him is the source of life. Okay, I give up, God. I worship you, Jesus. Here's a little um, rap lyric that was sent to me this week, which I think expresses what Thomas saw and concluded. Elvis is dead. Picasso is dead. Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin are dead. Marilyn Monroe is dead. However, Jesus is alive. Brando is dead. James Brown is dead. Princess Di and John Lennon are dead. Biggie and Pac are dead, whoever they are. (laughs) However, Jesus is alive. He is here. He is life. Here's the blessing. You're not in the situation of Thomas, but he is here by his spirit. 
His word has been proclaimed. And if you believe, you come back to life. You want that? Let's pray together. Just a moment to pause. Perhaps like me, you have a lot of sympathy with Thomas. And you're glad that this story is in the Bible. He was given a second chance, time and again. You have a second chance this morning. A moment of silence for you to say to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Father, I intercede for these people here this morning. I pray that on the authority of your word that you have inscribed Here it is, you say, those who believe will have life. Father, I pray that that would be the case. I pray for the um, jobless, that they would find the life of the ages throbbing in them. I pray for the unloved wife, that she would find the life of the ages bringing her back to life. I pray for the husband beaten down, that he would find the life of the ages thrilling him and that he'll be able to walk out now, look around and say, I have meaning, I have purpose. Father, I pray for the religious who constantly do good deeds and are so wonderful in their duty. Father, I pray that the life of the ages will bring them back to life as well. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.